whenever we I know we're actually legitimately recording and that I'm not gonna be like actually anyway like don't have the energy <laughs> all day on those days I'll like purposely not message you through the day just in case <laughs> something I have a thought or something comes up that I'm like I'll wait to tell Nemo when we're recording together Welcome to Red and Fire Kids Lamest Podcast. Uh, I'm Nemo Martin, your host. I use they them pronouns. And today, um, I haven't talked to my mom for a long time, and she just sent me an image, which is like a roll of sushi, um, but like as if it's Nemo from Finding Nemo, the <laughs> fish, as the like filling, and it's like no Nemo. <laughs> thing you're gonna send okay and it had no comment or anything just no Nemo <laughs> so that was my uh, day today <laughs> wow uh, hi this is I was gonna say... I was gonna say Stevie Martin <laughs> <laughs> yeah what you don't know is I've actually um, uh, adopted Stevie as my son my legal binding son <laughs> That's the theme of today. Uh, this is Stevie. Uh, she, they pronouns. Um, yeah, that completely emptied my head. <laughs> <laughs> the thought was so loud and intrusive. Um, hey, baby, you want my second name? Yeah. <laughs> you took the in the two the two directions it could go. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, that, that's it, I guess. <laughs> Talking over father figures? Yeah. Um, speaking of father figures, um, yeah, I messaged Nemo literally just before we started recording <laughs> to inform them that I had read the chapters um, mm-hmm. and that I'm not terribly pleased. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know, like, because I just listened to the episode we recorded last week, and I don't think that I led you on at all. No, like, it, uh, yeah, it's like, I knew it was going to be bad, because you were really gleeful, so I knew it wasn't going to be good, but it was just like, some salt was just rubbed so thoroughly mm-hmm. into some mm-hmm. wounds, mm-hmm. but then, like, when I'm upset, I want to see some- I want to see the other person hurt. Exactly. <laughs> That's my process of dealing. So then I did read enough chapters for the air. Uh, Hannah, you're as devastated as I am. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we can get to my devastation and vengeance, yeah. we've, we've got uh, quite a lot to unpack in this first chapter called... I don't always say what the chapter titles are. I wish that I hadn't started because I don't know that I can pronounce this one. Requisite? <laughs> that sure. might be that might just be correct. It might not even be a French word. Let me just There's a lot of letters like it is a French word. Requiesce. I skipped right? too many letters. Requiesce. Because when you requiesce, you agree with someone, right? So requiesce. Well, when I've just Googled it, it says a prayer for the repose of a dead person. 
Requiescent in peace meaning. Okay, read it to me, YouTube. Repre that's the thing that um, uh, 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 the boys in Assassin's Creed say, um, right? Uh, Requiescent in un peace? Yeah, it means rest in peace. It's yeah, it's what um when you kill someone in Assassin's Creed, <laughs> um, and then you like do the you know when you when you touch the eyes of the person. Oh yeah. And then they do the Latin. I think it's Latin rather than French. Requiescent in peace. Wow. You've got more Latin under you than I, so the name of this first chapter is Requiescent Fasa, I say now really, really self conscious. That's how I want it. I want you uncomfortable as we say it. No. <laughs> oh yeah, then it does have a little it does have a little asterisk and it's like, yeah, requiescent. In Passa, may they rest in peace. Okay, I guess I didn't need to Google it. The book was here, ready to tell me that. This is um, from Assassin's Creed Revelations. Requiescat in pace. Requiescat in pace. Requiescat in pace. Requiescat in pace. The, the C is more Italian. There's more Italian flair than I thought. Yeah, well... Pace. You're going to go back in and... Copy paste him saying it every time that we try to just say it, and also <laughs> okay. cut out like five minutes of us trying to say yeah. that word. <laughs> well, I hadn't even like read for whatever reason. I didn't read the little note on what the chapter title meant. The like, mm. may they rest in peace. So now I'm like, huh, about that <laughs> being the chapter title. I. Well, we'll we'll do the um, thought gymnastics together when we get to the end of the chapter and decide um, okay. how well that title fits. Um, so this is like quite a long one coming. We're still on the um, the grandfather and the grandson. We're still here with um, his name, not that one. Gilles no. Uh, yeah. George Pom oh, okay. <laughs> I was like <laughs> run through all the men's names real quick. In the mind. Um so we're still in Madame de T's salon, mm. which I had made I think there was like some small references to, but yeah. this is the chapter where it's like, and here are the players in this <laughs> salon. Um and this place is like quite gloomy, quite like dark so like kind of a, a sad place to be a small child having to hang out in a lot um surrounded by it's like all these like older people who hang out here mm. i've made a little note for myself that i'm like oh the little coven who hang out here where there's it's just like these old ladies who would sit in a circle around a dying fire um and you can imagine them like green lit and Delivering utterances that are both majestic and opinionated, <laughs> which is just, yeah, very Hugo, that Marius would stare at with fear in his eyes, believing that they, not that they were women, but magi, not real beings, but phantoms. Interesting. And he lists out, like, here are who these old ladies are. I just don't know that any of these, like, we get a lot of names in this chapter and I just don't know that they're coming up again. Yeah, um, sure. So I'm not going to... Well, I don't remember any of this happening, so... <laughs> <laughs> so I, I won't linger too long. Yeah. Um, but then, so, 
I so the, this is actually a chapter I read in case we got to it in the last episode. So I was mostly on reading today's chapters, like skimming over where I've left. Like sometimes I leave notes for myself. Sometimes it's just like little pictograms to be like, <laughs> don't forget to look here. And I wrote just like this big question mark next to this one paragraph. So I was like, oh, I'll reread that. And I'm, I still have a big question mark. So I will read this to you. Okay. The bailiff of Ferret, with his short breeches and his thin legs, sometimes called in at this salon on his way to visit Monsieur de Talleyrand. He had been Monsieur le Comte d'Artois' companion in pleasure-seeking. And unlike Aristotle on his hands and knees and the compass, had been Legumard crawling about on all fours and so showed the world a philosopher avenged by a bailiff. What? And I was like, what is that? Because at first you're like, gay question mark? And then by the end you're like, puppy play? Yeah. It made me think of, is it Kafka who has the thing about the person turning into a huge bug? Um, <laughs> which I only know from Tumblr. Uh, it was like a, a repost of a Reddit where someone was like, oh, um, is it weird that my boyfriend is trying to get into the role of, um, oh yeah, metamorphosis in, in Kafka. Die Verden, Ver, Verwandlung. <laughs> German um yeah and it's this dude who turns into it who's like wakes up and turns into an insect and so there's this reddit post which was like am I the arsehole for not wanting my boyfriend to um uh method act be an <laughs> insect at home uh, and uh yeah for, so like <sighs> connecting back to Lemurs. um yeah this dude like just like crawling around on all fours very like uh metamorphosis like yeah. insect play yeah, yeah also question marks yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to say here I'm, you know? a very aptly placed question mark yeah. like this is what i need actually i for I need you to say more, Hugo. What yeah. is happening? For once in your life, please, for the love of God, we don't need to know any more about um, Waterloo. But one more sentence explaining what the fuck is going on Just here. Just one, like the way he presents a lot of like the characters, like when we were talking about um, Marius's dad, Pomacy. That I was like, mm. okay, he's a character he's made, but he like so intricately interweaves people with actual real life people that it mm. can be hard to tell but I was like I'm sure I could look this up but yeah. what would I get it's very much the kind of thing where I guess if someone tried to like listen to our conversations and we were like oh yeah army hammers dms right or like oh army hammer and cannibalism yeah, okay, yeah. I guess it's like the the 19th century <laughs> equivalent to that well yeah like we're not kink shaming i'm like no, glad you're no. at having this good time together i just like i just, <laughs> just want to know you fully, please <laughs> I just understand paint us uh, a word picture that is a little bit more explicit <laughs> so whatever is happening there is happening there. Yeah, um, yeah. And then he just moves so swiftly on, and he's like, so anyway, there's a lot of priests who also hang out here, and you're like, I'm still, like, reeling. 
Um, the um, no uh, kink up pride people need to get on this novel and be like, Marius is like a child, and there are these people doing their puppy play in <laughs> oh front God, of him in their true. salon de terre. <laughs> when you said the the um, no kink up pride people, my brain thought you were going to take it the other way of like these these men on all fours. They're all that's like protecting pride from corporation. <laughs> And both of us <laughs> Well, we thank you for that, um, you two men, and also for yeah, I guess it feels like Hugo's also like, haha, this um is it that the bailiff is being made to crawl around by the philosopher? I just like I can't unpack it enough and maybe I have uh, paused us too long on this. Um, well, no, I mean, okay, but, like, we love going deep into the most, like, the stuff that does not have any links to anything ever. It's quite interesting if it is the the bailiff at the foot of the philosopher, because that's quite, um, bailiff is to do with money, right? Yeah, he'll, like, come be like, you've not paid these bills, I'm gonna take your stuff, question mark, I feel like. Yeah, that's very, um, you know, when you're watching a drama about someone on Wall Street who's got, like, um, uh... Uh, um, what's the thing that you do? You cater to women <laughs> who are like scary ladies. Um, what latex? Oh, <laughs> I didn't know you meant me specifically. Dominatrixes, yeah. dominatrix. Yes, yeah, <laughs> when I make their outfits. I am not, uh, I don't yeah, have yeah, a yeah. host of dominatrixes personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of like you know, the in the the how the table's table kind of situation where the bailiff because philosophers I, I usually see as being like quite poor like you know on the stem side of things not stem the art side of things humanity side of things you know they don't any money and stuff and so the bailiff would usually be knocking at the door but right now it's a bailiff at the feet of the philosopher which is a very like um interesting thing to see in an old aristocrat's salon right mm-hmm. okay that <laughs> um, feels like that would be why he go be like ha, ha, ha. yeah making this little okay this little image yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind we move on to the priests who hang out here and um, mm. they most of the ecclesiastics were as much courtiers as they were churchmen, like hang out at this salon and like add a certain gravity. So like there's like a handful of them sort of hanging out that yeah, they're like, you know, rubbing elbows with these like um bourgeois nobility mm. while, you know, also meant to be churchmen, but you know, having a it's the picture of this salon that you're like on the one hand, it'll be like this dusty old place, but then you're like, but I'm still thinking of these men having their good time. So, like, <laughs> is this a good time place or what is it? Yeah, um, yeah. But as there must be revolution everywhere this century, uh-huh. this feudal salon was, as we have said, dominated by a bourgeois. Mm. And Monsieur Guillemot reigned here. That he like starts that as like oh you know oh god, all these bourgeois now hang out here. Mm. Don't forget that my best boy, who <laughs> I have described semi lovingly, is bourgeois and king of this place. Yeah, yeah. And 
like so in this place he says lay the essence and quintessence of Parisian monarchist society where he's got a lot of thoughts on on this um the noble in quotation marks salons of today bear no resemblance to those of the past royalists nowadays are demagogous to their mm-hmm. credit let us say he he does a lot of you know when he's like interjecting like it, the the writer must say his opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when he's like, the salons of today bear nothing on the past, I think it's meant to be not that like the salon at the time that Guillaume is hanging out in, like, oh, that has nothing on the past. It's that like the height of this like kind of monarchist hangout was when Guillaume is there. Hmm. Well, I wonder if it's like Hugo being like, or Hugo's editor being like, hey, didn't you go to a salon last night? And him being <laughs> like, well, the one, like, the 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 ones I attend are nothing like the ones of the, <laughs> that Jean-Romand are attending. So actually. <laughs> that feels right, because Jesse waits till the end of the chapter where he oh, is great. like, <laughs> anyway, my personal <laughs> thoughts. Um <laughs> If you were to be like sat in in um, Madame T salon, you know, if you didn't know any better, you would have interpreted the words that it, the language being used as provincial, but it is merely old fashioned. So, like, wow. don't you dare. <laughs> and, like, so the way that they speak in these places, say you were talking about the king. You would refer to him in the third person as, you know, the king and never as your majesty, like if you were speaking to him. Mm. Um, the designation your majesty having been sullied by the usurper. Wow. <laughs> wow. And it's just like this like strange etiquette that they've like made for themselves here. Um, mm. They deplored the age they lived in, which saved them from having to understand it. So we're getting into this stuff where like... There's, I've got a lot of little asterisks coming up where you're just like, oh my god, Hugo, like, like literally, I, I know that nothing ever changes, but like, <laughs> just reading the coming bits, you're just like, oh my god, it's so present day, it's almost unbearable. Uh, yeah, I mean, even that, I was like, Jesus Christ, it is very um, conservatives um, changing their name from, you know, white supremacists to all right, like, um, yeah because it's like become a dirty word to be like conservative now so (sighs) yeah that like so the people here they like offer mutual support to each other in their bewilderment for like what is actually going on in their current day Mm. um all was harmony and nothing was too animated in this place where even though there was some young people the young people there were like somewhat lifeless the domestic (laughs) staff were time-worn They all looked as if they had lived a long time ago and were refusing to die. Conserve. Conservation. Conservative. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That was more or less the entire lexicon. Yeah, don't pull our statues down. Mm. Oh my god, like, so literally coming up. So first he's like, (laughs) it was a mummified society um, Mm. where the masters were embalmed and the servants were stuffed with straw. And what did they do at Madame Le T's salon? They were ultra, and I had to pause <laughs> to just think of the like class ultra. Ultra. <laughs> um, what is it to be ultra? 
To be ultra is to go to extremes. It is to attack the scepter in the name of the throne. It is to ride your horse into the ground. Um, it's just, it is to find too little popery in the Pope. It is to be so much a supporter of the things that you become their enemy. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like some good stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he sort of gets into, like, so this is, like, what is very characteristic of this phase of the restoration. That um... Sorry, I just um, remembered the um, being so much a supporter that you become their enemy. I just saw a, a video clip of, I think it was in America. Yeah, it must have been in America. It was an anti-trans protest. Um, and it was, like, a group of white supremacists. And one of them, like, fell to the floor. And he had a knife out. And this woman came and like tried to help him up and he stabbed her and she was on the same side as him. And so they've just like done this whole media rigmarole where she's like, oh my God, the like trans people stabbed me, but it's on video that he stabbed her. Like, like he was like flailing about with his huge fuck off knife and he just stabbed whoever like came and touched him, which happened to be his friend from this like anti-trans march and it's very much the um uh the, that quote that you just said the like so much a, uh so much a supporter that they start hating the thing that mm, it's a, such a supporter of things that you become their enemy yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. like in the most literal fashion yeah oh. yeah and then i guess like on the <laughs> not that bad but on the other side of that yeah you know when it's like people actually trying to make inclusive media will get mm. so much more criticism mm. than media that's not even trying because they're like how dare you not be perfect and you're like someone's yeah. trying oh my god yeah yeah like yeah yeah exactly Glad. and the the like no kink up pride stuff to like call back to what we just talked oh, yeah. about but that that is quite demonstrative of um that stuff as well gad yeah these uh these pages were just like oh, oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh we're actually talking about relevant politics now yeah. are we uh let's go back to the old men doing gardening you <laughs> like that is the thing with hugo like within the space of literal paragraphs it's just like swerving around we're still in the same chapter that it yeah went from like oh this old dusty place da 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 these men doing whatever it is that they're doing and we support them um <laughs> these old ladies who hang out here so anyway like the state of the conservatives <laughs> um, yeah so this you know the, so the restoration was when we they we the french <laughs> brought back <laughs> brought back in a monarchy after napoleon Mm. And he was saying, you know, these six years were such an extraordinary interlude. At once uproarious and bleak, cheerful and gloomy, uh, a return is like nothing so much as a reawakening. And Oof. so, like, the streets are full of good old marquees who had come out of hiding and, like, old aristocracy crawling back out of the woodwork, uh, amazed at everything and smiling because they're back in France, but weeping too. Because, like, thrilled to see the country again, but heartbroken not to find their monarchy, like, as they left it. Why oh, you? Oh, I wish this book wasn't relatable. 
It's not going to stop. But before, like, as a little, like, here's a break for you. Okay. Such was the physiognomy of the salons of <laughs> those distant and innocent days when Monsieur Martinville had more wit than Voltaire. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I just remembered I forgot to say to you. So I went to see the um Lemon's staged concert version um in West End the other day. And um I forgot that there's a line in um uh Master of the House <laughs> that made me laugh, like, you know, because usually everyone's laughing anyway, but I laughed at this random point and everyone was like, What? <laughs> Mrs. Tenardier says you know, master of the house isn't worth my spit. Comforter, philosopher, and lifelong shit. Cunning little brain. Regular Voltaire. <laughs> Thinks he's quite the lover, but there's not much there. <laughs> I was like, why? Why is he here? <laughs> they legally had to include Voltaire because Hugo will not stop. And like... But like... I know for a fact in the past he has like invoked Voltaire when he's talking about like high art and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Which is why, you know, coming into these ones, we were like, how do you feel about Voltaire, Hugo? Because like, <laughs> you've done that, but you're also here being like, <laughs> some people are just dead their whole lives, basically, Voltaire. <laughs> and like, that's just so the vibe of all of these words where it's like, you can't stop dunking on him. <laughs> Maybe he's like negging him because it, you know they're like pulling on the pigtails. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he's no. dead. He can't come <laughs> yeah. be like, what the fuck? <laughs> and at this point, I swear to God, it's been like maybe not every single chapter of the recent chapters, but every single episode recently. Mm. That's like every three chapters at yeah. least. Voltaire comes up once. Yeah. What's hmm. going on? What is going on? Why? <laughs> like, I'm trying to think, like, who gets mentioned that often in our kind of conversations. My brain instantly went Elon Musk, which I don't like at all. Um, we don't even talk about him much. Yeah. Wait, do you mean the greater we or, like, you and me? Yeah, the greater we oh, is in, we. like, humankind well, talking about a person. Bezos was on the news yesterday for his uh, penis to the sky. Yeah. So... <laughs> um and um do you think that maybe um like whenever hugo went to dinner parties people would be like haha um you remind me of voltaire and you go out to be like fuck voltaire (laughs) i'm better than him in every single way he definitely was coming up in conversation all the time Mm. and so hugo can't stop bringing him up but Moving on from our fun little uh, Voltaire, <laughs> you witless fool. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you had just been saying, with conser- modern day, uh, at least British conservatives, mm. um, there's now constitutional monarchists, which is a distinction says Hugo. Um, These salons did not preserve their purity as early as 1818 these constitutional monarchists began to spring up in them. The line they followed was to be royalist and to be apologetic about it. So like (laughs) okay, um, we've Briefly touched on the uh, the ultras, the plus ultras, ultra, (laughs) who are very proud. Mm. Um, These constitutional monarchists are like a bit shamed face about it and they're like 
So this is like the things that they say. So Hugo's not saying, I think this. He's saying, this is what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, they like adopt the attitude of sages um, against radical liberalism, they urged, and sometimes with a rare intelligence, conservative liberalism, they were heard to say, spare monarchism, it has done more than a little good. It has restored tradition, worship, religion, respect. It is loyal, brave, chivalrous, loving, dedicated. The revolution, mm. whose heirs we are, must have understanding of everything. To attack monarchism is a contradiction of liberalism. Right. Um, how- so they're the Democrats who are like, yeah, vote for Joe Biden and Kamala. Yeah, ignore the fact that they're also putting kids in cages because it's uh, uh, democratic now. It's just so the like on the face being like, yeah, of course, like some of the things the side that I'm from did was bad, but like, but also, you know, it's still our history and we should be proud of that. Um, (laughs) Must we always have something to outlaw? They ask, does it serve our purpose to ungild uh, Louis's crown to scrape away Henry V's coat of arms? Woke liberal snowflakes? (laughs) It's literally the like, well, maybe these statues are of bad people, but it's our heritage and we it's just as bad to to pull them down as it is like we shouldn't be ungilding the crown of yeah, our oh past God. kings and it was just like <laughs> Why not accept the whole of history? Why not love the whole of France? Oh my god! That is literally what people are saying today. I hate this so much. <laughs> so much. Well, if you love your diverse con- uh, country so much, then you should love the fact that we were colonial because you wouldn't be here unless um, colonialism happened. So actually, you should be thanking colonialism for diversity. <gasps> it's the the cops being like who were part of the like area where Stonewall happened, being like, "Well, we're just like so glad <laughs> to be a part of making this history happen." And you're like, "What the fuck? Step down!" Yeah. <sighs> so, <laughs> wow, that's what those constitutional monarchists would say. Not that yeah. we know anything about that. No, no. Oh my god. Yeah. So they would criticize and defend monarchism, which was unhappy at being criticized and furious at being defended. <laughs> <laughs> um so like I kind of found that funny. Uh, well, I guess like anything would be after the off the back of all that of being like, whew So <laughs> 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 like the plus ultras are like <laughs> You stupid new young version of monarchists. This is too wet blanket. Mm, Enough mm. of this. Yeah, at least the monarchists have the gumption to be like, you know, <laughs> fucking say it with their chests. Whereas the wet blankets are like, um, they'll say little... all of that but be like embarrassed about it. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Don't pretend. Like coy about mm. it, and it's like, shut up. <laughs> You still deserve being punched in the face. <laughs> and then Hugo says, and like I've kind of like made about three, four pages, kind of like here are those highlights that are, d- are difficult uh, to swallow. 
Let us end our brief summary here. (laughs) 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 Which is just always, Hugo knows when I'm already down and is like, let me just punch you in the throat. (laughs) 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 With my audacity (laughs) to say a brief summary. Um, In the course of his narrative, the author of this book has found in his path this curious moment of contemporary history. He has to take a quick look at it in passing and describe some of the peculiar features <laughs> of this now forgotten society. But he does it rapidly and without any bitter or derisive intent. Memories, fond and respectful memories, for they relate to his mother, tie him to the past. Besides, in all fairness, this same little world has its own grandeur. We may smile at it, but we can neither despise nor hate it. It was the France of old. They're like, mm. hmm, because I thought you were saying that, like, those kind of opinions were like, well, this is just what those people would mm-hmm. say. But, um, we can't hate it, I guess, because, you know, it's the France of old and nobody loves France more than Victor Hugo. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you remember? Paris is the world's, um, <laughs> nipple? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not what he said, but that was the first word that came into my brain. So, I guess. <laughs> Uh, the nipple of the earth yeah i'm sure that paris would love that yeah it's where every other culture comes to suck and suckle um i'm sorry i'm really sorry (laughs) it's okay he swerves well he doesn't really swerve he continues on um so anyway this is where marius is growing up and, you know, like all other children, he had some sort of education. Mm-hmm. Um, respectful tutors of the purest, purest classical innocence. <laughs> um, this developed young mind was passed on from a prude to a pedant. Uh, so then he becomes a law student. He was a royalist, fanatical and austere. He had little love for his grandfather, whose levity and cynicism offended him and his feelings towards his father were grim. All in all, he was ardent and cold-hearted, noble, generous, proud, religious, impassioned, callously self-reproaching, ferociously pure. (laughs) Hugo, like, like most of those make sense, but generous. How do you, how, what, how, because he's a royalist, surely, and he's, been brought up by a pedant and a prude and he's a law student how is he generous is he generous mm. in the same way his uh, grandfather is where he's like if you're going to give to the poor give fabulously because no, everything then... was done like with style but yeah generous doesn't yeah. feel like it fits in with cold-hearted mm. don't feel like they go hand in hand yeah and obviously, you know, he's got to be self-reproachful so that he can become a martyr later. Mm. <sighs> Ferociously pure. Oh, yeah. Like, how how has he been ferociously pure as well? Surely, like, he's grown up with his grandfather. He can't be that pure. Well, but his, his aunt is mm. the queen of prudes, basically, yeah. was what Hugo said. So, yeah, I but- guess... <laughs> I'm, I I haven't got the impression that she had that much an effect of an effect on him, or at least more than the grandpa did. 
but he what he doesn't like about his grandfather is his levity sure so sure. maybe he's like i will take more after my aunt yeah like i guess that's where like he doesn't like his grandfather's levity or his cynicism and that's where like where I had initially been like, wow, this portrait of Guillemot doesn't <laughs> jive with like what image I'd like vaguely had from the from the TV show. But when it's like, mm. oh, you don't like that he like makes bad jokes and stuff like that. Yeah, right. That's the problem here is his levity. Mm. Um, mm. That it was like, oh, okay, so Marius at this point is very like I don't know. That makes me think he's like quite stoic. Yeah. Very like somber. Mm. All in all, a guy you wouldn't really want to hang out with. <laughs> well, now I can put it off no further. The end of a brigand. Yeah, uh. I mean, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so the completion of Marius's classical studies coincided with Guillaume's retirement from society. Um, mm. He's got to be like, bye, Madame T. Salon. Got to come settle down. In Marais, he's settling down with the Nicolette of the ma- of the moment, as mm. he uh, renames all of his servants, mm. the Nicolette. Um, so it's 1827. Marius has just turned 17, just got home. There's grandfather. He's holding a letter. Mm. Um, and as we remember from the <laughs> canon that Marius's dad writes these letters and from my reimagining of the letters that he writes together with the uh, with his boyfriend. Yeah, his, uh, his boyfriend, the Abbe, they're writing the letters and pressing flowers to send them. Mm-hmm. Finally, Marius sees one of these letters, well, only in his grandfather's hand because we are told that like these letters are never shown to Marius. Mm. Marius is just told to like just write out a little I'm good <laughs> bye <laughs> like so Marius you're going to Venon tomorrow mm. and it's to see your dad and Marius is like oh this is unexpected this is surprising and it has to be said it is disagreeable <laughs> <laughs> it was not upsetting no it was irksome yeah so on top of his feelings of political antipathy Marius yeah. was convinced that his father did not love him, which mm. is sad. Uh, yeah, we'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, and feeling unloved, he did not love. So he's like, oh, I don't really want to go do that. Um, Classic daddy issues. Yeah. Grandfather's like, apparently he's ill. Anyway, he's asking for you. You're going to go in the morning. There's a coach. And then he crumples up the letter in his hand and I'm imagining the beautiful calligraphy on it and like the mm. pressed, all the flowers that they were growing. He grows all kinds of beautiful flowers. The pressed flowers that is in there and it, the like little petals are being torn up. <laughs> um, goes into his pocket and Marius could have set out that very evening and been with his father the following morning. There was a stagecoach that would make that possible but neither him nor Monsieur Guillemot thought to make the inquiries about that one. And mm. I was like, I mean, it's like, no! Nah. <laughs> 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 you wouldn't point that out! <laughs> 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 it's not till the next day at dusk that Marius arrives in Venon and 
people are just starting to light their candles and he's asking like, oh, I'm looking for Monsieur Pomacy's house. And he, yeah, refers to him as Monsieur Pomacy because as the same opinion of the restoration, no one will recognize his father as either Colonel or Baron. Um, I was about to say Colonel again, but I caught myself. <laughs> he eventually, he makes it to the house, he rings the bell, a woman comes to the door. And he's like, Monsieur Pomacy? And she just stands there. He's like, oh, is the address right? And she nods. Can I speak to him? She shakes her head. But I'm his son. He's expecting me. He's not expecting you anymore, said the woman. (laughs) (laughs) I send Nemo a picture. (laughs) Um, So he's not expecting you anymore, said the woman. And there's a tiny little sad face written in the the corner. (laughs) So it's a sad face. Um, And this is when Marius notices that she's crying. He's led into a room where there was three men. One That's st- hilarious. I'm sorry. You walk into a room, you're like talking to someone. And then that's when you notice like five minutes into the conversation, you're like, oh shit, she's crying. <laughs> I mean, that's actually, to be fair, quite a me move. Mm, he was just like looking at the floor, I guess. Like, yeah. is this the right place? So in this room, there's three men, one standing, one kneeling, and one lying stretched out on the floor. <laughs> Uh, again doing something kinky (laughs) we wish the one on the floor was the colonel which hugo makes the change to refer to him by his uh title stripped from him by the restoration uh the colonel had been struck down by a brain fever three days earlier and at the beginning with a sense of foreboding had written that letter asking after his son and then the illness really quickly took a turn for the worse and then on the day of Marius's arrival he'd like in a bit of a fit of delirium tried to like force himself up risen from the bed and was like my son isn't going to arrive in time I've got to go out there and meet him and then he (laughs) collapsed on the floor of the room and had just breathed his last so I was like no (laughs) but (laughs) he was so evil (laughs) it was like this not exactly the same but like it reminded me so much of you know of Fontaine being like I'm just holding mm-hmm. out for my daughter to come except yeah. this time Marius actually was close by last time yeah. Yeah. Jean was like she's coming <laughs> but absolutely yeah. wasn't but then but then you know if 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 he had stayed in bed, like, you know, if, if he had had a Jean Valjean by his side being like, he's coming, he's coming, then he would have stayed in bed and he probably would have lasted another half an hour. But it's because he forced himself out of bed that he, like, collapsed, right? Oh, but in my <laughs> tragic fanfic, the Abbe was, like, at his side, like, no, don't worry, like, he will be coming. Yeah, but that's true. Yeah. I guess he was held up at the parish. And he couldn't come and... Oh, I thought Mabuff was by his side when he died. Well, he's here now. Okay. The okay, doctor okay. arrived too late. The priest arrived too late. The son oh, also no. arrived too late. But I was like, <laughs> <sighs> Not even his husband was able to be there to hold his hand and be like, no, he's going to come. Absolutely tragic. Ugh. I love to see it. 
I like I can like a very 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 occasionally will read a tragic fanfic one that yeah. ends sad but like you know how many I read a day <laughs> compared to that it's like barely even a two percent I would say like I can't take it very often but I was still like imagining writing just like the most tragic for my own feelings like like hurting myself imagining the fic I would write about this. oh my god <laughs> um yeah we're all too late and he's dead and Marius looks at this man who he's seeing for the first and the last time and like looking at all the scars that he has on this face that God had imprinted with kindness oh no <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, wow, that man's my father, and he's dead, but he's unmoved because he never knew this man. Yeah. Which, like, that does, it does make sense that he's like, I don't really know, this is a stranger to me. But the grief in that room, that heartfelt grief, the serving woman was lamenting in the corner, the priest was praying, could be heard sobbing! (laughs) (laughs) the doctor's wiping his eyes even the corpse was weeping on his face on his dead face there is the perfect tear remains on his cheek come on Marius use your magical healing tears (laughs) no magical healing tears from Marius he was too little affected and he felt ashamed and embarrassed at his own attitude so he drops to the floor to make them think sorrow drained him of the strength to hold it. Oh, now that is a mood. <laughs> yeah, that's like, oh. Like, yeah, I do feel for Marius in this moment of like, I do not know this person. That I yeah. know people are expecting me to react in a way, but like, I can't give that. And that's like yeah. quite a difficult position to be in. Then he's like handed this little scrap of paper written in the colonel's hand that said, for my son... The Emperor made me a baron on the battlefield of Waterloo. Since the Restoration disputes this title that I paid for with my blood, my son shall take it and bear it. It goes without saying, he will be worthy of it. Oh, like, oh, get him! <laughs> 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 oh, yes, stop him. <laughs> feeling some kind of way. Um, and then goes on to be like, so anyway, at that same Battle of Waterloo, a man did save my life, and his name, dot, 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 was Tenardier. No! <laughs> he's behind <Yeah>. you! <laughs> um, he's like, I've heard he's gotten in, in a village outside of Paris. If my son ever meets him, he'll do his best. He will do the best he can for Tenardier. Uh, and Marius does keep this paper, not because he feels duty-bound to his father, but because of the vague respect for death that is always so compelling. Nothing remained of the colonel. His sword and uniform was sold to second-hand clothes dealers by Monsieur Guillemond. The neighbours plundered the garden and stripped it of its extraordinary flowers. So the ap- his husband can't even come and, like, be with the flowers that they grew together. <laughs> Within two days, the colonel was buried, and in three days, he was forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> he was such a piece of shit. 
I genuinely don't know why I'm laughing as well. I think it's just because I was like, wow, I didn't expect you to get so emotionally invested in these characters from this novel. And now I'm like feeling so vindicated <laughs> by it. I'm like, any emotion that I can draw out of you is excellent. I'm only feeding your strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I also don't read angst fix like at all. And I don't watch anything that is sad. Yeah, we don't like um, to feel. No. <laughs> um so this is this is about as um exciting as my life gets i think yeah but like you can imagine the tragic thing especially like because we were imagining last time like oh pomacy and Eve like writing the letters together and he's like oh like do you think he even cares and Eve's like of course like any word from you like this is, like, good for you as well to write to your son. And they're, like, writing these letters together, putting the pressed flowers in. I was just, like, imagining, like, that was that would have been, you know, that was going to be the fic of, like, mm. them being domestic, another flower theme, mm-hmm. um, writing the letters, pressed flowers. And then I was like, oh, and then it's line break. And it's they do the, like, this is the last one they're writing before this all happens. Mm-hmm. And then it gets crushed. Yep. Like, even <laughs> And Marius doesn't even see it. And, like, the Abbey's there and he's crying because, like, his man is dead and mm-hmm. is devastating and he's, like, finally meeting the son. And, like, he can tell, though. Like, he... But, like, I feel like he's a kind-hearted man in my heart. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not characterized too much, so I can do what I want. Um, like... As soon as he sees the way that Marius is, like, kind of awkwardly reacting to this, is like, oh, my God, okay, yeah, like, that's not on him. Clearly, the grandfather's a bastard, and, like, that's why, like, this is the way that it is. But, like, of course, that still hurts. Mm -hmm. He knows how much he meant to Pomacy. I, like, want to keep an eye out for him, but I don't think that's what he would want. He doesn't even, like, know how to feel about his dad so it's not like I can even forge a relationship with him to be like this is what your dad was like Uh, but (laughs) final chapter of this evening yeah Um, the usefulness of going to mass to become a revolutionary yeah so Marius has kept up his religious habits from his childhood (laughs) I I really like this line Um, so he still goes to the chapel where his aunt used to take him when he was little. Being more distracted and absent-minded than usual that day. (laughs) (laughs) It is like the subtle thing of like, yeah, don't worry, he's always absent-minded. He is a tit. (laughs) So even more than usual, he like sits down at the wrong seat. He wasn't paying attention, even though it said, Monsieur Mabeuf, warden. Yeah, it did. (laughs) <laughs> and then the mass starts and an old man is like to Marius like um Michelle, this is my place and Marius is like oh my god yeah gets up moves away, like doesn't move too far mass com- commences mass ends and the old man comes up to him and is like oh, beg your pardon monsieur for having disturbed you earlier I'm just disturbing you again now but you must have found me annoying and I owe you an explanation monsieur <laughs> said Marius there is no need and in that moment it felt like Victor Hugo was walking up to me to be like I just I'm really sorry like 
just I ha- I owe you an explanation and I'm like you do not please do not give me another explanation <laughs> and then what did he give you Stevie what did he give you so then yeah so <laughs> I went into this like oh my god Marius I feel you don't we all have some old man who will not ex- stop explaining but <laughs> fucking points to you Hugo the explanation is gold He's like, no, there is. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> um, you see, I'm just attached to this place. Why? I'll tell you. Uh, it is a spot that I saw a poor man come regularly every two or three months for many years. A fine father who had no opportunity and no other way of seeing his child because he was prevented from doing so. He used to come at the time when he knew his son would be brought to mass and the lad never suspected his father was there. He would gaze at his child and weep. He adored that child, poor man. I would see that. For me, this spot has such uh, has become almost sanctified, and that's why I always have to sit here when I come to Mass. I even got to know the unfortunate gentleman a little. He had a father-in-law, a rich aunt, relatives. I don't, I don't remember, but uh, they threatened to disinherit the child if the father saw him. He sacrificed himself so that his child might someday be rich and happy. They were kept apart on account of political opinions. Certainly I'm in favour of political opinions, but there are some people who don't know where to stop. My <laughs> God, just because a man was at Waterloo doesn't make him a monster. You don't keep a father away from a child for that. He's now dead, I believe. He lived in Vernon, where I have a brother who's a priest, and his name was something like Ponmer or Montpercy. My goodness. He had a fine sabre scar. Pomacy, said Marius, turning pale. Exactly. Did you know him? Monsieur, that was my father. <laughs> the old warden clasped his hands and exclaimed, Ah, you are the child. Well, poor child, you can say that you had a father who loved you dearly. Wow. Yeah, yeah, just dig that knife in and then twist it. <laughs> but, like, there's no way Mabuff didn't, like, clock Marius' features and was like, <laughs> Let me just like I just let me just explain to you a thing unprompted and now you can't interject. Here it all yeah. is. Can you imagine? And it just sat there like and now react. <laughs> it does kind of remind me of the scene um that it happens in the future. Um and it's like slightly clearer in the musical where um Vajon is like talking to Marius and he's like, hey, listen, I need to tell you about this dude. He was called Jean Vajon. He was a criminal. Um, and he like, you know, took care of this child and um, and for her sake, he can't be known. Who am I? And Marius is like, you're Jean Valjean. <laughs> and it feels like that. Like, um, Mabouf being like, and there was this man, he loved his son. Um, who was he? Pawn Mercy. <laughs> yeah, did you learn nothing from this experience, Marius? <laughs> Guess not. He walks Mabouf home, and then the next day he goes to his grandfather and was like, So, I'm gonna go hunting for a few days. Would you mind if I went away for like three? And grandfather's like, Make it four, go and enjoy yourself. <laughs> and then with a wink to his daughter's like, it'll be some sweetheart. 
<laughs> this is like a lot of big feelings. Mm. You old bastard. But then he's like, yeah, please do go enjoy yourself, Marius. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. you. I guess that they are all full of multitudes like the stars. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's it. It's been a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Um, how are you uh, feeling? Less sad than when I read it alone. <laughs> I don't know, like I knew, I knew it wasn't going to end good for him. Like there just wasn't any way. Um, but I did make it worse for myself by imagining Pomacy's like happiness in his garden. So yeah. maybe like I made that a more visceral experience for myself when it came of like no. Yeah, yeah. Sad man. And um, beefy boy. Beefy boy. My boof. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just always think of him as being my beef because <laughs> <laughs> boof is French for beef. So. I was like, who was Jean Valjean in these scenes? <laughs> yeah, what well, you didn't know. Wait, didn't you clock that my boof is Jean Valjean? Oh my god, imagine. That would be the most hilarious plot twist. I kind of can, kind of can. He's like, Marius, like, get on my level for this one. I'm like setting you up for later on when I have to have like not the same conversation, but you know a similar one about dads having to like make sacrifices. Yeah, and and Marius is like, what? Yeah, because I've been reading rereading um uh Autumn Gracie's um um reflection of starlight, and um. I think Autumn Gracie makes the like uh, explicit link between yeah Marius being like when so when um, he treats Valjean badly at the end of the book he's like full of guilt and he's remembering his father um, and he's remembering that he doesn't even have his sword uh, his father's sword or uniform anymore to remember him by and he's like oh um, uh, Jean Valjean would have been the second father that I've killed. Got him. Well, I can picture that, you know, this happens. I'm not read further. Yeah. But I can see that the next chapter is titled What Meeting a Church Warden Can Lead To. So, <laughs> before we go further, I'm going to once again do this to myself where I'm like, and then in the bit when this happens, and it won't, and I'll be sad. Um, yeah. That he will go have a conversation with the abbe, his uh, dad's husband. Yeah. And. He will be maybe like I know that like the Guillemont like wasn't showing Marius the letters, but so for this to work for me, he's like actually sending them back. <laughs> I don't know if he's holding on to them or like destroying them in the canon. I don't know yet. Maybe mm. I'll find out. But in this version, my version, he mm-hmm. just like sends them back. Yeah. But they were sending the letters from I can't remember if the Abbey works in like how if it's like a proper church or like how big the thing is but like whatever it is they've been sending them from there so they actually go to him instead of straight to Pomacy so the abbe can intercept them so that his husband mm. doesn't have to know that his son isn't seeing these letters like mm. he's like I think it's a kindness to not tell him that so that he can hand them all to Marius and be like, mm. this is how much he loved you. We wrote you like every week just to like thumb some final salt in the wound. <laughs> really make it sting. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to 
project yeah, for next into week. The universe. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe how many thoughts I'm having over these old <laughs> I can't actually. I was like, I thought I'd found my like side old man ship when I wrote the um, Fauchelevent and Jean Valjean fic. But I guess now this is where I'm at. I'm not even including one main character, (laughs) which is just very me. Yeah, um, one of the main characters' dads and a random dude he talks to. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. On this hill, I die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that's me. Any final thoughts from you? It really has been... <laughs> I think I've made it more of an emotional roller coaster for myself this week, but that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I am genuinely surprised that this has become such an emo- uh, uh, a roller co- Like, I thought I would be, like, you know, be, like, rattling off my cool facts about my book and uh, Georges Pomessy. Um and you know that we get through these like fairly fish bash bosh but i am very much in, uh, enjoying that we have stumbled upon this um rich treasure trove <laughs> um and i'm actually glad that you uh invest so much into these characters so, um yeah on that note there's been bread and barricades uh layman's podcast produced by me Nemo martin and julian yap it has been a Captain's Collections podcast. If you want to um, join our two-man ship, uh, you can send us your fanfiction to our email, lamospodcast at gmail.com, L-E-S-M-I-S, or you can send us it to us on Tumblr, at Bread and Barricades, or on Twitter, at Podcast. If you like our content, you can donate to us on Ko-fi or Patreon, or you can uh, give us a review on iTunes. Our sound designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com, or on her bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. I think that's the fastest I've ever done that, with no mistakes. (laughs) Efficient. Yeah. Just like, uh, there hasn't really been anyone efficient in this (laughs) (laughs) book, uh, novel. (laughs) As efficient Uh, as Hugo is at taking part shots at Voltaire. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Just like that witless Voltaire. (laughs) The end.